here. I like to chill. <laughs> but I want to um, I want to pick your brain on some things as well. Of course, man. Uh, off off the camera for sure. <laughs> All right, three, two, one. Anthony Dari, the Peninsula Podcast. I am joined with Cam Taylor with Short Natural. How are you, man? Doing well, man. How are you guys doing? Dude, it is exciting to have you on. Um, we are starting to get a couple uh, really like uh, repeat guests. So I think this is your third time. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate yeah. you guys having me on, man. No, dude, like, we absolutely love it. Such a respect for what you guys do. If you guys... Um, or unfamiliar with Shore Natural, if you're on the other side of the bridge and you're, you know your local dispensary doesn't uh, doesn't carry their product, um, Shore Natural is in my mind really the most craft style grower that we have um, in the state. Um, I've known Cam for a long time. Uh, got to see his passion. He uh, like a lot of the people that I love in this industry had a real ground uh, ground up story where he was just like begging guys to let them make dirt for them like that's 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 passion right there right like not like there's dudes that come in and like i come work for sure natural if they'd let me be their head grower like that's not oh, yeah. how this oh works. i still hear it trust me i still hear it you know, that's guys, like not how this works you know, man yeah. like you gotta you gotta start from the ground up you gotta earn that and uh you came in and, and really put in the sweat equity and now to the best of my knowledge it seems like you're kind of living you know your best life of being able to to do what, what you're passionate about and um, make cool connections and be involved in in working with plants, which it seems like there's not a lot of things that you prefer to do more than to be around plants. On a scale of one to ten, how much more do you like plants than people? <laughs> Especially during COVID, I mean, I don't even think that, yeah, ten, dude. I mean, that was before COVID too, I guess. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think the best part about this, it's it's I really do get to kind of live the life that I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like I'm not making a bunch of money, but I'm also living a life that I want, which is just really being around plants and, you know, being outside. And I definitely get to look at weed plants every single day. And when I was a teenager, I was like, wouldn't that be super cool? So I'm just really happy to be there, you know? Yeah, like Mary Pat introduced me to like your name was you were working at Caicos, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and she like knew you from like the surf shop, and then um, I think you guys had had a, a meeting where you kind of shared some of your passion with her, and and she was you know she was taken back by that and remembered it and, and shared that with me, and and here we are full circle. So um, give a give us a little bit of if you can, like some statistics on Shore Natural in terms of like size, like square footage, canopy space, sure, sure. like what you guys are doing. Um, just Because uh, you guys have grown tremendously since yeah, over the last All few the time. years. I mean, yeah. it's constantly evolving, and I really appreciate that. But go fill us in a little bit. Yeah, we're always adding lights, but we're not always adding people. So we're just trying to keep up, you know. Yeah. I mean? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the building's around like 33, 35,000 square feet. Um, not all of it's canopy. I'd say maybe like 20,000 of it's probably canopy. Um, yeah, like we just added a whole new bedroom. Um, we've been doing some outdoor crops. Last year was our first go at like a no greenhouse, straight in the field, in the ground, kind of no-till situation. Um, this year we're going to have that a little bit more refined. Um, we have three greenhouses that we work with as well. Um, so every season we do crank out a little bit of some outdoor. We don't have like a large production for it, but um, we do like to have like our sativa crops and some any of our specialty stuff Any Malawi's coming there. back? The Malawi is coming back. Golden Tiger. The, yes. Yep. 
We did a little bit of Malawi last year, but it was just such a small release, it was hard to get. Uh, yeah, you know? I didn't see any of that. But yeah. if you know a guy, like, you know, you think if, if I have Cam on my podcast, I'll at least be able to get an eighth of purple yeah. Malawi. I mean, geez, I didn't even get to see any of the Malawi. I did get some of the, the I mango. want you to metric out, like, one eighth of Peninsula Alternative Health, like a private, like, Derby special. Yeah, right. That'd be super nice, actually, just to, like, batch it out so for testing for everybody. We all get together and get yeah. to, like, sample or something. That'd be cool. But yeah, so the outdoor stuff, generally, it's just uh, a lot of the stuff we can't run indoors. So really, like August, September is when you start to see the special crops. Um, Christmas time, you always find the rare batches of stuff that we just can't do indoors. So always keep your eye out for that stuff. That's really neat. So I guess the stuff that's going to go in the ground is going to go in the ground within the next eight weeks? Yeah, generally, I like to say uh, knee-high before July. That's what they say on the Eastern Shore. So. <laughs> I love it, man. That's so awesome. <laughs> Oh, do you uh, do you prefer to grow out outdoor than indoor? Do you feel like you're more in your I element, think, or is it just so many uncontrollables? You're like, this is impossible. Yeah, well, so I started growing indoor, obviously, like when I was like a teenager is when I got into it. So that's just what I'm comfortable with. Um, outdoor, I've been exploring the past years with Shore. So as far as the quality, I mean, outdoor flower is always going to be the best, sun-grown, organically, no-till. Um, but as far as quality control indoor, I think it's easier to manage. It's a lot more of a, you know what's going to happen. You can keep things more uh, more manageable, you know. So when you say better flower outdoor, sometimes the appearance can look a little different than it's what you see on different. the indoor, right? But yeah, when you absolutely. look at those terp profiles and, and the um, a lot of times like the flavor profiles that you yep. can get from the outdoors, I find them to be a little more strong vents than the indoors. Is that kind of what you mean by? Absolutely. And, and it's cool because um, basically that difference you're seeing in the flowers, generally like a humidity and temperature difference. Um, you'll generally see your outdoors a lot more leafy, um, which we hear leafy and we're just like, oh, it's terrible. But once you trim it up, it's generally not too bad. Indoors, generally going to be a lot more nug, a little bit more solid. Um, but yeah, as far as the terpenes, I mean, you got to think about like grapes. We were just kind of talking prior to this about maybe a geneticist, you know, that's growing grapes. He'll, he could speak on terroir and Appalachia about how your climate, your soil, the local microbes, your indigenous plants growing around it. That's going to affect your cannabis way different than anything indoor could grow. That meaning that like cross pollination from other plants and stuff that are around everything, it, or everything know, around everything, it, right? bees. Um, so like microorganisms. Um, just to kind of easily dive into that, you know, cause I don't like to get too biology, you know, biology driven with things. But um, everywhere you go, your your soil is going to have a little bit of a different microorganism in it. Meaning these tiny organisms that break down all of the matter. Anytime the leaves fall off the trees, they would sit there forever if there weren't microorganisms breaking, breaking that stuff down. down. Um, so each area in the United States throughout the entire world, really, there's a different type of microorganisms per area. Um, once you find a type of cannabis plant that grows well with your local microorganisms, you're going to get a completely different flavor profile than California or especially like an indoor crop where you're just really not going to get much of a microorganism interaction. Because most of the indoor crops, I mean, not you guys, but most indoor crops are running through hydroponic systems yeah through like a potting like, system in general and even if you're using like a soil situation um you can add microorganisms which we do with compost teas and things like that using like a mushroom compost yeah um which is how i think we can enrich a lot of our flavors but it's still a pot situation when you're done you dump the pot outside and then all of a sudden that those microbes are gone you make a new batch of soil you got to remake those microbes you know 
as opposed to living soil that's just been there for years Forever and years and it's just ingrained, right? Yep, from the beginning of time and it's continuous system that's always going to be going. So I know nothing about anything when it comes to the cultivation of cannabis on the eastern shore. I really don't, but I would assume we have sandy soil. We do. We have very sandy soil being that, you know, sometimes in hurricane season we're below sea level at times in certain areas, you know what I mean? And how does that, um, how does that affect the plants versus like maybe somewhere like in out west where it's much drier and more like sure, higher elevation yeah um rocky essentially or... just we have a lot higher humidity where we're a lot lower and a lot closer to the ocean and that that sandy luminous soil that you kind of see out west allows the plant to really let that moisture kind of go through and pass through a lot faster we really hold a lot of water retention in our soil um so we really don't have to water as much as those guys like on the the west coast do um but at Does the same time but at the same time, we do have a lot more mold issues. So that's where it gets to be hard. If you don't have a very, you know, nice, essentially polyculture soil, if you don't have other plants making that soil breathable, you're going to have pathogens kind of living in that soil. It's an anaerobic situation. So what do you do, like, if you get mold outside and it's like a no-till situation? Like, is that just like a bad, it's just like bad? It depends on who you are. If you're like, you know, us where it's like, all right, well, that's a loss because you don't want to spray plants or you don't want to do anything with your outdoor crops. Like, you essentially are just... There is no more mold anymore. Everyone just makes distillate, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no one gets botrytis or PM. Yeah. There's just a lot of pens, right? So that's, that's essentially where the market goes. A lot of those guys clean that up. And yes, if so. you're a real cultivator, you just you accept your losses yeah. and, you, and you, you take that. But if you're someone in, like, an indoor situation or, you know, someone who's trying to do the indoor uh, living soil situation, they'll generally find a way around it. Like, you can cut out bud or something like that. But... We try to stay away from the indoor living soil situation because it's such an oxymoron, you know what I mean? Like using electricity to grow this like living organism. So we just do the super soil, which is an organic situation, but it's not technically a living like no-till situation. And you do a lot with like mushroom-based like compost and like things like that, right? Yep, yep. Is that common or is that something that you've kind of got a flair for or like? So it's it's common in areas where it's available. So mushroom compost isn't readily available everywhere, and it's just we live by Pennsylvania, right? It's, it's everywhere for us, you know. And especially with um, we have a lot of livestock, diff- um, especially livestock, um, a lot of different types. Like we have a lot of horse, we have a lot of cows. Um, out west, it's generally just a lot more of that um, cow type base. Here we have such a diverse type of compost that, you know, most people, we grow it to make mushrooms, um, the oyster mushroom, or people are getting more of those medicinal ones like uh, the lion's mane, the reishi, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting to see more and more um, growth around just plant-based medicine all around and then even just in- incorporating it in diets. And um, I just remember going to Pennsylvania and all of a sudden just seeing, like, Mushroom company, mushroom company, yeah, mushroom it's, company. It's it's crazy. It's cool. Yeah. There's actually um, there's it's a really random story, but there was actually a company in Cambridge, Maryland, called the Mushroom Company, and when I was at American Express, I worked with them, and I don't know if I'm giving up confidential information or not, but like every single McDonald's on the East Coast got their mushrooms from like this one like distributor of mushrooms. And I was like, that's a pretty crazy business model. Yep. You think about it, like, what do you do for a living? Like, I sell mushrooms to McDonald's. Yeah. And I mean, think about the medicinal market coming now, like, you know, psilocybin's becoming such a trendy thing, the whole microdosing thing. So people are open Second to... time this week we've talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think you look at, we're lucky to have John Hopkins, his local partner, doing a lot yes, of really great yeah. research, um, MAPS program. And I just think that, I think that our generation is going to, and not to take this all, all through that, but I just think our generation is going to look at these natural remedies a lot faster than we are going to look at something that's been made in a lab or a pill. So. Oh, absolutely. It's at least become more questionable, you know what I mean? 
and I think that with again with the psilocybin trend coming up I think we're seeing a lot more of these other types of mushrooms coming into play like this year actually I'll be growing some on the hemp farm um, we'll be doing the lion's mane uh, I think we'll be doing a little of the turkey tail and a little bit of the chicken and the hen in the woods um, just some varieties that are just really helping people with like dementia and things like that you know that's something that I don't think people are taking very seriously right now and it'll just be a cool thing they to will. see just like CBD was trendy and just like you know cannabis is finally being accepted because CBD was this thing that everyone was accepting, you know, I think we're kind of seeing because of the psilocybin trend, and it's going to be cool to see natural remedies in general just taking off the next few years. I think it's just going to be a real big hit. That's awesome. So one of your passions of, of growing um, is even before we even get started, right? It's, it's in the genetic side of things. It's, yep. it's like, what am I starting with? Like, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about it's... Um, you know, the growth practices are very important, but if you're not starting with good genetics, like, you're really setting yourself up to fail in many ways, right? 100%. And um, we saw that in the CBD game, like, maybe even more so in cannabis. I mean, at least in cannabis, the, in my opinion, the guys were spending enough money and they were enough uh, in the business model for them to, to be more diligent in where they got their seeds. But when you looked at all these, these hemp farmers that were naive to growing hemp and cannabis and really looking at this as kind of like a gold rush and i'm talking like 2017 18 yeah. like these guys i mean i i was on the seed hunt like i bought seeds from colorado myself um and i knew what it was like to talk to these guys and uh they they weren't even feminine you know they weren't yeah. i mean it was just like well it depends on the goals too you know it gets hard with the cbd and the cannabis realm because cbd you're trying not to go hot you know, you don't want anything over that THC realm with the point, you know, 03 or the point three or whatever. And uh, so when it comes to THC seeds and picking cannabis strains, it's really like such an easier thing to do. It's really just figuring out what your market wants as opposed to CBD. You got to be so careful. And as soon as you see in a description or you talk to someone and they're like, oh, it could go hot if you let it go into September. You'd be like, oh, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Because you, you don't want to gamble it. You know, that's no, your whole crop. You, to, you, you know? lose everything. And um those plants, you know, you stress them out the wrong way, and all of a sudden, boom, they start. Yeah, they unstable. Start, uh, I think what's wild about CBD too is there was when it first started out. I mean, there was so few variety. Everything was a stem of the cherry wine genetic. You know what I mean? That's what I got. That's what everybody got. I mean, <laughs> so now you're starting to finally see the diversity, and and anybody that's trying to do the premium like smoke market, they're spent, they're finding out like you can't do acres and acres of this because there's no quality control at that point, right. and especially if you're doing diverse genetics. You might find some unstable genetics. You might have a whole field of feminized stuff and find some males. You know what I some mean? Some Hermes in there. Yeah, some nanners. So it's like if you're not <laughs> doing your, your your due diligence and if you have like this massive plot of hectares of, of plants. How much like, difference you know, is there in growing hemp and CBD? Or I'm sorry, growing hemp and like growing. I know it's the same plant, but when you're growing for CBD versus if, you're growing for THC. like It's easier, truthfully, to, to say. Is, is I know I'm going to piss some people off saying that. It's, it's easier because it's a more fibrous plant. Typically, bugs like it less than cannabis plants um we call cannabis like drug cultivar as part to uh fiber cultivar like that's right. the only two differences in someone like growing wise so when you think about fiber cultivar like bugs and pathogens just don't really like it as much as cannabis so it's a little bit easier to grow um and it's a shorter season because again you don't want it to go hot so most people are done like mid-august you know end of august um but as far as as cannabis plants go if you're doing it right, you know, if you really are putting the quality into it, you're going to grow it just about the same. You're going to put the same love into it, same size plants, you know, same drying process. And that's where I think a lot of people in our area, especially, you know, excuse my mouth, shit the bed, where they didn't treat it with care, like their their cannabis. They just assumed they were going to, like, 
sell all this stuff the for hemp, a high-end the product. Stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, dude, it was a disaster. Yeah, all the I mean, was, the was guys that were growing, you know? I mean, I can look, I can point in five different directions of where I'm sitting right now in places where it was a disaster yeah. and, like, not calling names out, but, like, to your point, and even the ones that, that were successful in growing pretty plants, despite, you know, I put the credit on the plants. Yeah, right. Good genetics, <laughs> for, right? For being Overseeing surviving in genetics. genetics right? they, they didn't know how to get them out of the. They didn't know how to get them out of the field, and they didn't know how to, to cure them properly. And no one had had really addressed the drying issue that you're going to have when you pull out acres and acres of plant matter. Space like base in general. That was my favorite thing. Was talking to these guys with acres of plants. And I was like, "Well, what are you guys doing with this when they're done? Well, we're going to dry it and sell this premium flour. All right, cool. Where are you going to dry it at? Oh shit." I'm not sure. We didn't. Know, we don't have a building. How, but... how are you getting it out of the field? Are you going to go there with a machete and chop it <laughs> down? Do you think? Because you're not. You're not hopping on a tractor, my friend, yep. and cutting down smokable flour. Getting the lawnmower going, right? Like it's just doesn't work. We, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Um. So th- but those are the same guys that are mulching the field in from last year. So they're they're eating it, you know. Unfortunately, so. You're absolutely right, and uh, for one of my better decisions, you know, that I made through this process was. In 2018, it, it really did seem like the CBD market was like bottomless. I mean, it almost seemed like cannabis light, except without the, some of the some of the restrictions. Sure. And um, we had explored going completely vertical and working with the farming group, and that's why I sourced the seeds because I proved to them that you know we have these this network, we can get seeds, we can do this and that. And in the last minute, I was just oh, this this isn't doesn't feel right to me like yeah and in, seems... indoor cbd is tough too man that's a that's a price point that you got to really hit on and a lot of the guys that are doing the MB, indoor cbd are really just like the distillate straight guys like they're just turning it straight to crude they're growing like a four inch five inch auto flower and they're flipping it right over into oil that's indoors hard with that one you know yeah these guys were going to grow outdoor and they actually did grow outdoor okay, uh, okay Baywater. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we gave our seeds to Baywater, and they—that's okay. where they started. And they have evolved their genetics um, several times over, I'm sure, from nice, when nice. we first started with them. But that was uh, that was the, the original exploration that we took. Um, so those guys, those—they're the farmers. We let them grow, and we stuck to what we do, and that's support the bottle after you know it's in there. What happens when the patient gets it? This stuff's not cheap. Um, and there's so little support and, you know, quite honestly, the farmer's market's not the place to have a one-to-one consultation all the time for someone that's got severe medical needs. So for some folks it's, it's fine and and that works. But for us, that's just, that's not our niche. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for pediatric patients that have severe needs. We're looking for the the real health outcomes that we can change. So, well, that's the difference between people that are passionate about what they do and then people who are trying to make a quick buck too. And I know a lot of people are gonna be upset that I said that, but I think CBD is much more of a bulk market. Like you, you just got to grow a lot of it and you've got to unload your product with cannabis. You can grow it. You can take pride in it. You can sit down and talk to a customer or a patient. It's a, you can make that differentiate because you can know who's a customer or patient with CBD. It's really hard to tell. It really is. Yeah. And then, you know, it's there's still a lot of folks uh, that, that distribute it that that aren't. It's you know, it's 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 weird that gas stations sell CBD. It's weird that porn stores sell CBD. Yep, like yep. it's weird that these countercultural places are selling these less than par products. And then the you know, 
It's just a lot of our friends that are buying them there, but they come back and they say, oh, I got this shit and it doesn't work. I'm like, well, A, I'm not surprised because you started with a bad product and you probably had zero to no advice on how to use it. And if you thought that you were just going to take a CBD tincture, like you were smoking a joint and all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, you're going to feel a little lightheaded and like maybe more apt to go clean something. Like that's not how this works. Yeah. And even myself, I mean, it took me a while to understand a good dosing regimen of CBD to find my optimal dosing. Um, and to really be able to gauge the effects because I am a THC user. I love THC. I'm not going to stop using THC, but I found a really good balance between yep. the two. That's my ult- That's kind of my ultimate health outcome, and and that's what I, I. That's kind of what I'm encouraging other folks to really try to explore. Is that, you know, if you're just using CBD and you think that there's no help from THC, you're probably wrong, and vice versa, and they're not the same somehow. To your point earlier about how CBD was kind of the gateway to getting cannabis more accepted, it also got the stigma of like, well, it's just cannabis light. So like, you don't need THC, you can just use CBD as long as you don't need to get high. And like, they're they're different cannabinoids and they affect the body completely differently. And it it drives me nuts sometimes when I I hear this concept that like, hey, we we don't even need medical cannabis because CBD could be solving all these things. It's just like an excuse. But even more so, the doctors that are talking to patients that may be using too much THC and saying, well, you should have stopped that 100% and, and just use CBD. I'm like, no, th- there needs to be a balance there. They need to titrate down their THC. They need to increase their CBD. And maybe they need CBG or CBN, depending on what they're sleeping or they're having gut issues. You know, Are they taking more THC because their Crohn's is flared up? Then maybe we need to add more CBG so we can help their gut health. To help them out with less pain, so they need less THC to medicate the pain. Well, there's the whole terpene thing too. You know, like the, you know, a lot of doctors, you, you can't really explain like the terpene process, and and it does get a little difficult though. I'll say, because we come from a perspective where we combust the product also, so it's we're not always extremely correct when we explain terpenes too, because these terpenes weren't developed to be smoked. You know, like when we talk about linalool and how in lavender it relaxes you, well, we're not rolling up doobies of lavender either. You know what I mean? So. It gets to be a difficult story where we're talking to doctors and trying to educate them because they have a degree and we're guys that they think are just getting high off of weed and lavender plants. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone's, I actually had a doctor say it's no different than smoking roses. I swear that was a true comment that yeah. was made to Dr. Hoffman and I as we were presenting one time. So you're right. And like, and, and even us, I mean, three years ago, I wasn't talking about terpenes the way that I'm talking about it yeah. now. I mean, just I wasn't that educated. It wasn't. I mean, I remember Leafly was like the first time we really started like learning about terpenes, and like maybe like 2015, 16. But like, THC percentage was like, and and it didn't matter because you bought it in a Ziploc bag that didn't yeah. have shit on it anyway. Yeah. Like, you were just hoping it, it wasn't. Who cares dry. about knowing about limonene and pining if if <laughs> as long as it didn't have seeds and it wasn't dry? Yeah. I'm happy, right? Well, that's the thing too. It's like I think now we're getting into such a market where like we are making it so it's got to be so marginalized as a medicinal product just so we can kind of get it out to the masses but at the end of the day it's a natural herb as much as we'd like to figure out the science of it we just know it works and i think that people need to start you know educating themselves on why it works for them rather it's a terpene a cannabinoid or because it's what the doctor said they should be doing or because it's just what makes them happy you know so what are you having the most fun doing right now with genetics? Like reading, my... reading all the time. I think that's the funnest part of it, man. And and what is like what part? Like I mean, just seeing what you can create by, and how? Like explain the breeding process. Sure, sure. So um, 
I don't do any of the clone-only things like most breeders do, so essentially it all starts from seed selection. So um, we had talked about on a prior podcast, pheno hunts. Um, so I like to take two genetics, pheno hunt them out, find the best of the best. You'll find a male that matches, you know, your favorite phenotype of the female. Of course, you make sure that you guys test that, and you smoke it, and make sure it's good. Uh, if the male matches it perfectly, you can kind of predict what it's going to pass on trait-wise in the cross. Uh, make your cross. That's called an F1 generation. Run the F1 generation, you'll see a completely wild phenotype hunt. You'll see out of 10 seeds, probably six, seven different, you know, types of plants. Uh, from there, you make the best selection. Make an F2 on that, meaning that you take the best female and male, breed those together, kind of stabilize your seeds, and from there, just sift, find the best ones, keep mother cuts, and keep running it. So, and you just keep naming them different, like, F generations after that? So you have, like, F10s of stuff? like F. I wish I had F10s, but, that yeah, there's uh, actually one of the longest-running genetics that people filial generation is around F10. That's the Royal Kush line. So it's, like, it's people are in the works of doing it, but cannabis has not been, uh, I guess, scientifically looked at for breeding. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people have just been doing A and B, this cookie and this cookie's good, and a lot of people don't realize that they're inbreeding or they're doing a lot of like plants that have intersex traits that just aren't good, um, a lot of instabilities. So a lot of it's finding what true F1 is, which is plants that have absolutely no relationship together, breeding those together, and then making your filial generation. So a lot of land race to land race, essentially starting points. How many land race strains are there? <sighs> Infinite. I mean, there's one in just about every region. There's land race CBD in Kentucky. Really? You can drive in the roads in Kentucky, and there's just weed growing in the ditches. It's starting to come back around. So anywhere you can grow. That's neat. Yep, yep. So you, once it's legal again, I mean, we'll have some land race here in, in Maryland. I'm working on developing it now, you know, something that can is handle there, our humidity um, and bugs. Is there a, um, a region that you really seek... Um, seek stuff from like absolutely modern cannabis generally is afghanistan based um that's where a lot of the potent cannabis comes from og chem dog sour diesel um that that um that and i like nepalese personally I, I think a lot of that stuff from the himalaya area just lends a lot of good fruit terpenes um i like a lot of the fruity stuff a lot of the gassy stuff so afghanistan and like asia can lend a lot of those that's awesome i um i really prefer like the citrus and the fruity yep um Sometimes the gassy stuff is good too. So that's a question I'd like to ask you then as a, you know, somebody who's in the dispensary realm, what do you guys think about the guys in California, you know, they have like citrus plants and they have lime plants and those things. We here grow like watermelons, strawberries, a lot of those really sweet types of things, not as much as the citrus realm because we just can't. Right. Do you think that has anything to do with like our taste buds as far as picking like cannabis and terpenes and things like that? I was asking someone this the other day and they, they were like, I, you know, that would make a good bit of sense. Like, because generally over here, we like a lot of the fruity stuff, like we, a lot of the strawberries, a lot of the blueberries. So this is a really weird question because A, I'm allergic to fruit. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, so, like, maybe I asked the wrong guy. I think you asked like, the wrong person, right? <laughs> but you get my um, idea, though, you know? I do get your idea. I think there's something to that. I think for me personally, it's a couple things. One is, um, in my head, terpenes are in, ingrained, right? And and I, I really do think in, in, in sense of terpenes and whether it, when you believe in something like that, like it's, it's easier to just, for your body to just connect all the dots, right? Sure. So, like, my I really believe that limonene is the is the most effective terpene for me. And when I know that, um, and I don't smoke a lot of flour, um, sure. I really don't. Uh, I, 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 
I don't medicate very often throughout the day now, um, so I like to do dabs so that I can spread them out. And I seek like really high limonene profiles of of cannabis for my daytime use. Just keep and I feel like as soon as I start getting that like citrusy flavor, and I can start feeling that profile. I immediately start feeling uplifted. Like it, yeah, whether absolutely. it's placebo or just like. Do you drink lemon water? Do you I like, do. Yeah. Do you, do you ever get that, like, all right, I can kind of get moving, or, like, it kind of gets your yeah. body just jazzing? It just does, especially after a workout and stuff. Like, it's, I, and I think of, like, a lemon fresh. Like, for me, I think just everything about the lemon itself, the actual lemon itself, represents, like, uplifting and, like, an energy. Yep. And I think that limonene just connects those dots for my brain. And I think that's an important thing for you to say right there, because I don't think enough people are making the connection of what terpene works with them cannabis-wise. And then making that natural herb, vegetable, or fruit actually work in their diet as well. Like for me personally, like I like uh, caryophylline, terpenaline, osamine. So uh, I like spicy stuff and I like fruity stuff. So that's why the terpenes kind of seem to run in that realm too. I put rosemary in my coffee because it has a little bit of those terpenes in it. And my gut has been feeling amazing ever since. And it's just like those terpenes kind of work with me as far as my smoke. So why wouldn't it work with your herbs or your veggies or your fruits and so that's why I had to ask you about the lemon you know, water. You it's know? funny, like it's one great. of uh, one of my my initiatives this year is to connect the two dots between plant based health and the fact that there's a lot of people that have adopted a plant based diet that somehow refuse to acknowledge that cannabis is a super effective tool. Yeah. And they and the same benefits that they're getting from their plant based diet, they could be getting from the cannabis plant, Absolutely. right, and the hemp plant. And then the opposite, I have a ton of patients downstairs that swear up and down how cannabis has changed their life and made everything better. If I'm talking to you and you feel guilty about this, then I'm talking about you. Um, but you won't adopt a plant-based diet. I, your diets are horrible, and they're making you sick, and there's so much opportunity for you to say, like we just did, what would happen if I like limonene, if I drink lemon water every morning, or if I just even just suck on a lemon sometimes. Like these little different things that you can do, they, they really do make... When added up, they really do make a big a big impact to your overall mm-hmm. wellness, and and that's what I'm trying to connect the dots. Is I feel like cannabis really lives in the middle here, where we can we can bridge both gaps and almost be like the poster child for plant based life. Yep, I and, can't wait till it's classified as a superfood. You know, like it, we we combust it mostly to get the effects, of course, but like I can't wait till people are just juicing it, just like oh, I really like the purple ones. You know, because you anthracite see a lot you know, out west. You see a lot of that, you know? and then. Once again, like the the difference of that is when you're juicing, you're getting THCA, which is a completely different cannabinoid than than THC. When you get bud, you get your lab results. You look at it. Flour is actually measured in THCA because that's the raw form. But as soon as you combust it, you're turning it into THC, and um, and losing some losing some things within that process, right? Burning off some terpenes. So, um, and I'm not. I don't know how you feel about ingesting terpenes. I'm not necessarily convinced that it matters a whole lot yet i'm not like the artificial terpene guy for sure like i'm not gonna go get like a drink that's just got like lemon based terpenes in it but i'm i'm definitely there's something to the reason that a lemon agrees with you so like i I, i'm not gonna say that i'm for the terpenes are in fruits all you know because i definitely think that cannabis has some stuff in it that really isn't going to be in a fruit, you know what I mean? I think there's yeah. something to that, like limonene in a cannabis plant that's not necessarily the same in a citrus, you know? Yeah, and I just don't, for me, and it's been my experience, like if I cook with um, flour that's high in pining and limonene, 
the edible doesn't give me energy. Yeah, I right? that, yep, exactly. Like it, it doesn't like I'm stripping those things out basically, and in the and what's preserved in there is not uh, it doesn't have the same biological reaction that it does when I when I because trust me when I dab pining I know I dab pining. There's, yeah, there's right. zero question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting how these things affect it and. Um, you know, we got the edible market coming to Maryland really soon. It'll be interesting to see how creative those folks get with different options. You know, ideally, it's not just all brownies and lollipops. And when they take this edible market and we see them seeking families, and we see the opportunity for some of these guys to be able to offer juicing options and really be able to, in my mind, um, really highlight some of the additional health benefits that can come from consuming cannabis outside of combustion. And that's what I'm hopeful yeah. for. And, we're working with one of the processors that's going to be coming to town in the next few months. And one of our focuses is to um, you look at things like avocado oils and things that we can we can make that are THC infused, but that are also going to have a medicinal value and be, be more apt for a health-based lifestyle than some of the other products that we're going to have. They're going to be tasty and delicious, and I'm going to eat them too. Yeah, so, right. Like Again, it's what I was kind of talking about earlier, right? where you got to find there. there's some people that are patients and there's some people who are just customers, and you do have to appease to both of those. And you just got to be a little more attentive to your patients than you do your customers. Those some guys, patients you know, need high-fat, high, high-sugar food, right? I and mean, we have patients in here that, that could – they could put on some weight, you know, that, sure. that, that having, needed actually. Look at me. I, yeah, I mean, know. you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, my body could not have handled those additional calories, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like the opposite. Like maybe if you're, you know, you're like, damn, I'm busting my ass in, in the 90 degree heat and I don't really have much of an appetite, yeah. I'll just smoke this brownie real quick and it'll give me at least some nutrients and some, you know, yeah. some goodness. Dude, when I'm cranking on the farm, there's days I just don't eat. Yeah, I know it's how it nine, is. Nine, ten hour days where you're just like, oh, did it's I even tough, eat? It's anything? tough to have an appetite when you're in 120 degree heat. Absolutely. And Sweating everything out and like Eastern Shore's hot, man. Yeah, you know? and humid. Yep, it's sticky. Yep. And I work in a very air conditioned dispensary, so I'm just assuming <laughs> that it's tough out there. I don't really know what it's like. I'm still hand mixing soil over here. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, was say, I think I washed through. it off before I came in here, actually. But <laughs> so I've been doing the past few days, actually. So how often do you have to make soil? all the time it depends what project for sure natural we generally make like a large batch of it at a time um as far as like the hemp farms it's it's kind of batch by batch um i also sell super soil locally too to people organic soil just to kind of it's a water only recipe and you know everybody's kind of growing their veggies and then some people are growing their own plants and i don't ask them what they're (laughs) doing with the soil you know what i mean but if they want it then i'll sell it to them so i actually got to drive to cambridge after this and drop off some soil so it's one of those things man like it's cannabis has kind of given us this realm where people have definitely opened up their health like i've never in my life cared about my soil until i started really getting deeper into cannabis you know really potting soil was potting like i mixed soil once i started with sure and that was like i started getting the process i was like all right cool we're just saving money and then eventually i started really realizing the difference and then that's where i was like well, maybe there's something to this. And originally, before, if you think about it, like we couldn't mix like a, a really super hot, well amended soil for any type of crop because it just didn't cost. Like the cost didn't make sense. Like tomatoes are so cheap per pound. You don't want to mix a $20 bag of soil for $4 worth of tomatoes, you know? So cannabis has given us this realm now where people are so open to organics because the margin has allowed us to have the opportunity, you know what I mean? So I have so many people that be, they pay attention to what I'm doing with soil and they're like, I kind of want to try it with my food then. If, if you guys are growing organic cannabis with that, then what's it do for your veggies? You're like, oh, you don't have to put any nutrients in it. And you just water it. And 
you're gonna have the best taste of veggies with big old yields that's and they're like wow well i you know i'll take how, that <laughs> how do you um I'm, I'm literally curious um and not asking for a friend but like how do you sell it like pound a, a pound of, like by the pound by the gallons by the gallons yeah and and i don't put out any ads i don't have like a soil business or anything like that no, no, people no. literally just know what i do and they just hit me up on instagram or like the friend of a friend will hit me up and it's just something i can't hold on to i don't even have enough soil for myself now i gotta go mix more that's <laughs> awesome but uh, it's, I'm just stoked because, again, it's allowing people to take the organic direction. Regardless of what they're growing, they're going to have a healthy input, you know. That's so cool. Um, so what, um, what, are there any other projects that Shore's got going on that you're, that you're excited about or any, anything that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the greenhouse area outside is always cranking. Uh, I think we're going to be doing some more construction outside to do a little bit more uh, bigger greenhouse setup. Um, so I think that's in the route. Um, doing a lot more with just new genetics, a lot more of my breeding stuff. So I see a lot more like unique, um, sure natural only genetics. Any new strains that people can expect? So many good ones. Oh man, I could talk forever on this one. There's so many good ones right now I'm looking at. I think my favorite is the orange gaseoso. So it's uh, ghost train haze crossed to overflow. And uh, oh my goodness, there's two venotypes that are coming out. One that's just like mango sherbet it's like very sharp mango with like this hint of like ice cream sherbet at the end and then the other one it's just like mango with like a vanilla cola like it's like have you ever been to uh five guys and you play with the soda machine yeah they have like an orange or mango coca-cola and it tastes just like that like it the smell is just on point like it's so beautiful like a soda um, other than you're that, you're convincing me to want to take a trip down there. You got it's to. It's been a little while. And it's a sativa. That's what's cool that's about what's that up. one. Yeah, so I'm trying to get it to finish before 13, 14 weeks. That way we can actually make it feasible for commercial. If so, then it'll definitely hit the market. How do you, um, tell us real quick how you rush or slow down a plant. I guess you probably never slow down a plant, right? Not necessarily. Yeah, it's more so just phenotype doing that hunt. like Just figure out, out which ones which ones flower the faster. And, and, yep. It's yep. got to hit the COA. It's got to look beautiful. It's got to smell good, but it's also got to flower in a certain amount of time. I've got plants like I run the Corolla Gold. The plant I picked up actually in Asia that I bred with a bunch of things doesn't finish sooner than 21 weeks of flower. So like I, I could never run that in a commercial standpoint. But the flower's so unique that that's something that eventually, when it goes wreck here in Maryland, I'll have to get out to the market. Um, THCV, there's it's it's in there, which is really cool. We don't see that anywhere at all. Um, if really you've never popular. consumed THCV before, it's a trip. <laughs> that's all I gotta say about that. It's a trip. It's literally kind of psychedelic. Um, the whole like not appetite thing is very real. Like I'll go the whole day not feeling like I need to eat anything. I was gonna at say all. that typically we see it in bait pens right now. Yeah. And constantly like a few little bit of concentrates, and um, we do we brand it as an appetite suppressant. Yeah, it, it yeah. certainly is. And it's nice, like the isolate version, like getting it out of its own cannabinoid form is great. Consuming it in flower form, oh my goodness, it's it's so nice to. It's very uplifting, very psychedelic, um, almost like the Malawi. Like it's almost like music feels really good, and you just want to keep moving around. Yeah. But you're not doing very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you think you're doing great, but you're moving for sure. Public but. service announcement: You are going nine miles an hour, <laughs> but you're all over the place. Just put the shovel down. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, that was a special one. That again, that probably won't see its way in like a medicinal market. But when things go wreck here, um, you'll you'll see that one come out eventually. Um, I think other than that, the local skunk is probably our favorite in that room too. Um, that's one I went to Indo Expo in Colorado to pick up. 
It's from a breeder who um, actually you're not can't like he can't get his stuff right now. He's actually in legal trouble. Um, the the basically he's old school. He's like 30, 40 year old breeder. Um, he's had felonies from back in the old days. You know, growing five, six plants and going to jail for five, ten years kind of deal. And um, he just got caught speeding over state lines and the you know the feds just wanted him that bad that he's been locked up for a little while so his seeds you just can't get so i was very lucky to get that last drop the local hashtag st- something you don't hear about in the pharmacy industry like, yeah right like, like such it's, still go- it's still going on you know what i mean people yeah, don't realize man. the the war on drugs is very real still we're very just very real, fortunate man. you don't that think it's it is down here put three pounds of your weed from california and drive through texas tell me it's not real you'd be surprised too some of these legal grows the things that they ask you that you're like whoa no you guys can't do that <laughs> I, uh, I was, I'm trying to help a guy in Delaware get hit one of the uh, permits going um, he's already licensed and he's growing but they were going to get a bunch of clones and you got to tell those guys like hey man that's not legal like you got to be careful setting yourself up like that and they had no idea and they immediately changed their tune they're oh cool we want to play things safe we want to do it right so let's go ahead and do this and but things like that, like people don't understand. Like, there's guys that have been doing this for 30, 40 years, getting locked up for that stuff still. You know what I mean? Like, you guys can't just, you know, do that stuff. Find yourself in Rico. <laughs> yeah, right, Guantanamo. <laughs> um. So that's probably, I think, my favorite coming out of there. That's um, gonna the local skunk. So that's a sour diesel IBL line crossed to a bunch of different hash plants. So old w- schools can be. When you cross them with hash plants, are they oilier? Like, do they they tend to. to... Hash, hash plant is, it's a general term for, yeah, the, the Afghanis I was talking about. It's a shorter, yeah, more resinous, um, stinkier bud. Um, but generally, too, there's actually a couple genetics that are called hash plant. There's the cuttlefish hash plant and the skelly hash plant, which were like the original like Afghanis that were kind of brought over, selected. It would seem to me that there would be less than 100% consensus on genetics are there Reddit threads where it's just people nerding out and arguing over genetics and who came where and when and who started this and who gets, should get credit for it? And if you like, want a rabbit hole, look up the real skunk. Like, look up skunk. Like, look up skunk <laughs> and uh, the genetic cat piss. Like, everyone bred it and yeah. you know, they're all ready to make their money now. So, <laughs> But, yeah, like, uh, I think that the thing that you see in a lot of those forums though which is kind of sad is a lot of those guys that like i said like duke diamond who found himself in an illegal situation who've been doing this forever they've risked everything and they're getting absolutely no reward they're getting a slap for five to ten years when some of these guys are coming in the forums and talking shit on their slur cane cut that they don't know where it's from they just got it from a friend and so it's very interesting to kind of see, you know, the genetics nerding out. Like, they, there's a lot of negativity to it. A lot of I, people I are imagine. really just, like, like mean. Like, a lot of communities <laughs> where people are smart. Just mean to each egos, other, right? Yeah, egos come in, yeah. and then, then that people become nasty. I don't, I can't imagine you participating in that nonsense, but. I stay away for I sure. I could imagine those. Uh, but those, it's fun to read, right? Like, it's, you get I mean, into even it Even the sometimes. Maryland medical groups, like, I don't, I literally don't, say what you want about me, I'm not reading it. I don't. In the beginning, I was a member of all these like Maryland medical cannabis community and all these different groups, and the shit talking on on the industry and just like back and forth and like it's just gross. It was man, it was you know? gross. It yeah. was not. It's it immature was, and it it's was, not what we need here in our state. It was it? way easier for me to focus on the outcomes that we were having with patients downstairs and like yeah. the highlight reel down there than it was like the nonsense of of who's doing what. And, and I even, like being on the Eastern Shore, man. I love being on the Eastern Shore and being outside of the Baltimore nonsense. Yeah, like, for sure. We don't, there's four of us, like, 
Daryl Hill and I are cool. He was on a podcast last month. Bob Davis is an old neighbor of mine. Like yeah, we're Bob's cool. funny man. Bob's he's, a funny dude. He's old school. Old yeah. school. Um, Lindsay, you know, she kind of does her thing. Yeah. And uh, and we're all just happy go lucky here on the Eastern Shore. Like got yeah. no beefs with any of my competitors. Like I hope they don't have any issues with me. It's 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 all good. Yeah. That's what's funny about the grow realm. It's like you guys are always in that kind of interaction realm where you get to talk to patients instead of, you know, kind of go back and forth. It's like in the grow realm, we don't get to talk to each other at all unless you reach out to like a grower in like a personal way or something like that. So there's very little relationships in our state when it comes to the growing realm. Like I don't get to go out to lunch or dinner with anybody that grows yeah. weed. You know what I mean? Like, do you uh, <laughs> do you have any relationships with anyone, any other shore guys? Or you not, guys just all kind not of... really. And, and I'll be honest, like I try, you know, like it's important to me because this is my culture. I've been living this before it was a medical market. And now it's like trying to be a relationship guy is like not easy. You know, like a lot of these guys, they, they think they have like secrets or they think that like, I don't know that they're like some millionaire guy that has to hold this uh, image or something, but like, I just like to grow weed and I want to sit and talk about that sometimes while I'm, you know, yeah. having a beer and, and a cheesesteak. Like, yeah, you know no. what I mean? <laughs> like, no, I mean, you're as pure as they come. I, uh, I always enjoy like chopping it up with you and, and I appreciate that, man. That's really neat. You guys do, do great work at, at Shore Natural and I know that, you know, you've got some other hemp opportunities you got a bunch going on i think you know you're going to continue to be rewarded for the hard work that you're doing and i I really appreciate the passion the cannabis industry for a lot of folks is not despite common common thought it's not not overly profitable for a lot of folks especially with 280e and and the fact that it's a medical market and we're not doing this just to try to make make money we're doing this Mm -hmm. to serve patients and that that um what that means is, and truthfully, and, and we see it with, with my partners and everything, is that if you don't have a passion for this, this is not the industry this to be in. This isn't for you, man. Like, this is not. There's I, so many people that, you know, that I, I talk to and I, we talk, even we led the podcast off and, like, they, they have aspirations to just be in some leadership role in a cannabis company without really understanding even what that role would be. Like, never even if weed. you... <laughs> they never smoked or, weed. Or, or they smoke weed, but they don't, they don't understand that, like, you know the meme like what I do my mom thinks I do what my friends think I do yeah, like, yeah. Like, what actually I need on. one for me because like what people think that I do as a CEO of a dispensary and municipalistics and all this, the stuff we have going on versus like what my actual days and time like it's 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 way it's different nuts. It's, and, it, and it's a grind it's it a is. straight grind and as much as like I was saying earlier like I, I see weed plants every day at this point the hardest job for me now is learning to slow down just so I can be a father. That's like the most important job for me. And it's like, now I'm trying to make that time more than I'm trying to make time to like continue like doing all these projects with people. It's like, I'm more pushing things off at this point where I'm just like, if I don't like the way an operation's going, I'm like, all right guys, like good luck. You know, I, I want to go hang out with my son instead. You yeah. know? <laughs> that, um, that was kind of the push that got me into the cannabis industry away from my my nine to five job was that just like I had a job and it wasn't nine to five at all it was a whole lot more hours than that it was like a 60 80 hour work week and I was working in DC and I was like just like before all I cared about was improving my finances to be honest with you I didn't have a kid yeah and then I had a kid and I was like like your goals change uh, right I don't yeah the extra five hundred dollars you can keep I'd rather like have, have the time, of, back, yeah, right? time back right yeah my favorite consultant Kevin Jodry he talks about recently he's like I don't think in 2021 there's any farmer or anybody who's a part of a legal industry who's jumping up and down. I'm a weed farmer. I'm a weed farmer. We're just trying to ex- exist right now. Like, we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to live our lives. We just want to get to a point where what we do is a normal part of society and we can work a 40 hour week and go home to our families, you know? And that, that's all we're trying to do. 
And I think a lot of people get this this idea that we're all like trying to chase money or that we're all rich because back in the black market days, you saw guys riding in boats and you right. saw guys with nice cars and those guys made the money. Like yeah. that's when the money was there. You know, now we're all just like trying to live a lifestyle that we are a part of. We just want to be a part of our culture daily. You know? Truthfully, and this has just popped in my head, but like, you know, the people that came before us that were doing it illegally for nothing but profits made out. And then eventually the big guys that come in and, and absorb us and, and have, you know, Fortune 300 listings on the NASDAQ, they'll make the money too. Yep. And that's fine because, that's again, fine. as long as they pay our bills and right. we get to go hang out with our kids. kids and that'll be good. You guys do your thing and yeah. you chill on the boats. I get seasick anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, just make sure the kids don't have to pay for their own college completely. Yeah, I just want to make sure that my son, you know, gets stoked when so he sees a, a weed sk- plant, you know. Was he on a skateboard yesterday? Where was he at? You were on a skateboard. He was in a wagon? Yeah, yeah. I saw that yeah, a lot. We take, whenever it's nice out, we take our little walks around the neighborhood, and uh, I'm trying to get him stoked on a skateboard, you know what I mean? He loves it, and I'll hold him up and kind of push him around on it. But uh, that's right, yeah, I get stoked just, you know, seeing him kind of maybe, like, he looks exactly like me. So a lot of people are like, oh, it's just you. So I'm like, cool, he's got a skateboard thing lined up. He's going to be grow weed at four. Like, he's, gonna, he's got all the genetics he could ever need. Yeah, he's, you know? already, <laughs> he's already, uh, oh, Gerber uh, uh, College Fund? No, we gave him a seed bank. Yeah. <laughs> Sam seed bank, right? <laughs> seed bank. But, yeah, so that's that's all that is, man. I think that you're, you're totally right. A lot of people think that we're living this, like, lifestyle where we're all chasing something and it, we're just living our passion we just want to live and it's described a lot of times it's like, disguised as hard work right yeah like and that's cool because when you're passionate about something the hard work comes so much easier i can't tell you how 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 less happy i was at other jobs where i didn't work half as hard because i wasn't passionate about 100%. it right well like, there's no finish line at life until the day you die you know when it comes to working and, and experience like you got to live that daily you know like you're not gonna be at some finish line, like, whew, I remember that time I went to Six Flags. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, you got to be at Six Flags and be stoked you're right there on that roller coaster. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. That's a really good uh, That's a really good way of putting it. Let's end on that. I really appreciate it. We'll get you back on here sooner or later. I, uh, I am now motivated to get out and see you off camera uh, back at shore, see some of these projects you guys got going on. I'd love to see the expansion. I love seeing the growth. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, for sure, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Keep an eye out for the stuff that we're doing at Shore. Go ahead and drop your IG or anything else anywhere oh, I can yeah, find yeah. you. Um, so I'm Cabron the Cam on Instagram. Um, we're the Freethinkers Conservation as the breeding and the seed thing. We're also doing some clothing lines this year as well. Um, we'll be doing a drop for 420. Um, we'll be doing the uh, Sugar Baby Cakes, which is Wedding right. Punch Cross Magic Melon Seed Drop. Um, other than that, we'll be doing some special art for that as well. So keep an eye out. And other than that, Shore Natural, we, uh, we took our Instagram down actually. Uh, we got a little bullied there by the state and decided that uh, we weren't going to play that game. So if you guys want to follow cannabis, just follow me, and I'll do what I can. Nice. All right, man. Thanks again. Thank you, guys.